Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It is mind-blowing. These people have no worries. Uh, they, they literally live in, in uh, the small town outside of the jungle. Some of them live in the jungle. They're all laughing. They're all smiling. Um... It's just an incredible experience, and I think everybody can learn something about themselves and and about the luxuries of this country going on one of these trips. It really is amazing. And for me, it's modern-day time travel. You feel like you're 100 years back in time when you're, when you're going on these trips. There's, there's nothing. There's zero pollution. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is tomrollandpodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on tomrollandpodcast.com, and the social media is tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now, let's get on to today's show. 
I'm Ryan Scardo. I'm a YouTube creator and fisherman, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Ryan, what's going on, man? I'm glad to have you on the podcast. Happy to be here, brother. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, well, we've been in touch for a long time, and I, I got to say, man, I've been following your your journey all these all these years from fishing in a little pond with Davis, <laughs> uh, Davis following you around with a camera to... Uh, to what you got going on now and um honestly it's it's quite impressive man you've really you've really done incredibly well and stuck with it and i've seen lots of other people come and go and you have remained super consistent and your quality has improved oh every every week it seems like <laughs> i appreciate that yeah definitely been a journey um i love this since i was a little kid. We'll talk about kind of how I started making videos. That's a pretty cool Well, let's story. do it. How did you? Well, first of all, how old are you right now? I'm 24. Okay, you're 24. All right, so it gives me just a, a, a field of reference there to when we, when we go back. So how did you start making videos and when? How old were you? So I was probably like 13 or 14 when I first picked up a GoPro. Uh, my parents got divorced and uh, I ended up moving down south for a bit. And then I, I came up to Jupiter to uh, start high school and stuff and uh, really like the middle of eighth grade. So I moved up here and it was a big adjustment for me, like like new town, didn't know anybody. And uh, school systems are a lot different here than Miami. So it was a big adjustment for me. Had a lot. Honestly, had trouble making friends, got kind of bullied in school and stuff. And, you know, an outlet for me was just fishing mm -hmm. um went to best buy grabbed a gopro and yeah i've always been a consumer of fishing youtube and stuff so i knew about it and stuff and watching guys my whole life like you on tv mike iconelli so i've always been a creative person in fishing but i decided to put that together really around that time so started off um just fishing in ponds bass fishing around my house just mm -hmm. grabbing my skateboard and and hitting pond to pond to pond and you know, I ended up striking a lot of attention on those videos. I caught a really big largemouth bass, like a 12-4, out of one of these Whoa. little ponds around my house. And that video overnight almost reached, I think, 70,000 views. And by the, like, a couple of days later, like, well over 100K. And, um, you know, like, the bass fishing was fun. And I was like, what, what else is there to do? And, um I doing some research and I found out about the Juno Beach Pier, which is a mm -hmm. super, super amazing fishery. Um, and I grabbed my GoPro, went over there, and I mean, <laughs> talk about like the new kid on the block. When I walked on that pier, I was getting dirty looks from everybody. Where are you from? What are you doing here? Like, you know, so that was a big adjustment in itself. Like, I was getting picked on and stuff. Eventually, everyone accepted me and. I started making videos on the pier and that's really when I caught a lot of traction and started blowing up by making these cool little edits. I, I dropped my GoPro down underwater. You could see all the, the yeah. wall of snook and I caught that. I called it uh snook fishing, Juno beach pier, 2k 15. And that video like absolutely blew up. So then I started making videos here and there and you know, school uh, was pretty busy. I was in JROTC and extracurricular programs and stuff. So um, the videos seemed to slow down a lot, but I, in high school, I, I built a, a name for myself on Instagram as well. So like, exactly like you said, running around the ponds with Davis and, and filming catching bass and stuff. 
Um, never thought that I would ever turn this into a full-blown career, but that's... Never did? I mean, at this point, you didn't, right? Oh, no, yeah. And if you could, if you told me I would be going to the Amazon and, and doing all these insane international fishing trips and, you know, have a camera guy now and, like, like a full-blown production, like, like, absolutely not. I mean, but for me, this has always been my, my deepest burning passion. Mm-hmm. Like, I creating and storytelling and fishing and like combine all that together. It's just everything I could ever want. That's awesome. So when, when was it that you did like see that, wow, maybe, maybe I could do this for a living. So this is another cool story. December, 2018 Christmas Eve. Uh, I quit my job. Uh, I had a, I had a really good job. Give you some backstory. I was working for a fishing company doing all the marketing, um, like, like built up a social media presence, brand ambassador team. So I'm getting all these influencers and, and, you know, I'm like, man, these, these dudes are killing it. Like, like I wish I was on the other side of this. And eventually I shifted from there to doing, um, phone sales and other things like that, like building websites. And, you know, I just, wasn't happy. I was making good money, but I took that leap of faith. I literally just walked away from that opportunity Christmas Eve, went to Best Buy, got a, got a camera and I started making videos like crazy. Um, what was that like? Like whenever I talk to anybody that has, has really followed their passion and done something that they really want to do, there's always this point and you made it very easy to get to this to this point because you told the story exactly perfectly that there was this exact point and you know exactly what day it was and exactly what time it was but what was you know a lot of people really really struggle with that they want to do something and they get to the point to where it's like okay i either need to quit this job and go for what i'm looking for or not and what was that like for you how did you make that decision what were the things that you were kind of weighing out like i mean for me in my life, I've experienced a lot of overnight changes, like a lot of crazy things. Just like when I was 17, something else that's pretty big in my story. I got a random diagnosis of type one diabetes. Really? Um, so that was a crazy overnight change and, and, you know, learning a whole new lifestyle. So to this day, you know, when people see me go on these crazy trips and, and do all this, I get messages uh, you know, how do you do that? Like with type one diabetes, like, like I've always wanted to do this, but I feel like I can't, you know? Um, so I've always had that fire in me. Um, my grandfather also like was a, such an influential person to me. He unfortunately passed away about a year ago, a little more than that. But yeah, so I've always had that fire to just like take that leap of faith, jump in. And I feel like for the viewers, if you have a passion and, you know, you have a job and, you know, you, you, you eventually it's going to just snap and you're going to be like, I, I just have to do this. Or, and it's, it's a slow, slow burn, you know, too. Like, like you start and then you're just like, I, I have to pursue this. But for me, I've always had that fire and um, I, I took a chance. I, I took a leap of faith and, Definitely was a, a big shock, like especially to my dad. Um, he was like, you know, c- concerned because he he is old school. He does he doesn't understand the potential. I'm like, Dad, 
trust me. My mom has always been like, like, you go for it. I totally believe in you. You have this passion. Do it. I know you'll achieve it. Uh, and my dad, too. I know he believes in me, but he was definitely – he expressed his concern. You know, I call him, and he's like, hey, how you doing? Like, are you, are you making money yet? And I'm like, no, <laughs> but it's going to happen. And the first year of making videos, posting videos at least – five, six times a month. And I got to a point like almost every other day uploads. I grew maybe 2000 subscribers in a year. So mind you, I started my YouTube channel back in mm, 2014 around then. Mm -hmm. So I posted those videos back in the day. So I had a little bit of a, of a following about 5,000 subscribers or 5,000, 7,000. And the next year, I, I had a big blow up and the year after that I had a huge blow up. So it, it definitely took a long time being consistent. I think of all platforms, YouTube rewards consistency more than anything else, more than Instagram or TikTok. If you're consistent on YouTube and you, you post and you don't miss and, and you're putting quality titles and thumbnails and good content, it will happen for you. But you, you just have to be dedicated and you have to put in that time. And the, definitely does not come overnight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems it seems like it's gotten much more difficult uh, on YouTube. And like I said mm, in oh, the introduction, sure. like I've I've seen a ton of people make a splash, do some really cool things, and then just kind of disappear. But you you definitely did not do that. In fact, it was the other way around. And and I literally I've been watching your stuff for a long time. I remember I was in Jupiter. And I don't know what it is about Jupiter and um, creators, but there's a lot of creators there. Yeah. I was in Jupiter, and I I uh, did a podcast with Robert Arrington, and I think I put something on my Instagram or something, and you, and, and you messaged me, and we're like, hey, man, let's go to the pier. And I had to leave. <laughs> and do you remember that? You, you did. I do, you were I like, think. man, it's there's a bite out here on the pier. You need to come come do this. Let's let's make something. And I was already on my way out of town when I got that message. And I was like, damn, man, that's pretty cool though. That that this kid um, just just messaged me like that. That was that was awesome. And so I have been watching ever since. I really have been. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah, but you're getting you're getting better and better, man. Really are. Um, so, but tell me about like. This like getting back to this thing. You you quit your job on on Christmas Eve. Like, what's the what's the significance of that? Why did you just you just couldn't take it anymore? Like, I'm not gonna. I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I wasn't happy. Um, phone sales like it was just like driving me crazy. Um, I felt like it was just not. It was not me, mm -hmm. and like I felt like I was losing myself, and, and like really what I stand behind and just like really who I was. I, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the group of people I was around. I was ready to, to, to quit for a while. And, you know, I didn't give it two weeks. Anything. I just said, I'm out. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm out. And, um, just whatever I could do to, to make money and, uh, support myself and make videos. Mm -hmm. So really. that was the, that was the, the, the idea right away. You said you went and bought a camera that night. Literally, like like either the day after Christmas or or something like that. Like I, I bought a camera quick, just picked it up, started filming videos. And now, something else I want to talk about because, like, obviously you, you mentioned a lot of growth, and with you know age comes growth and maturity and stuff. But my mentality on YouTube for a while was, 
you know, I always made like fishing videos, but I've made a lot of crazy videos too. Really, just it got to a point in myself making content that I fell out of love with it. You know, and I, I like my mentality was like, we have to, we have to make it. We have to to reach this finish line. For me, that finish line was getting monetized and then a uh, hundred thousand subscribers. So how fast can I get there? I was filming with a lot of different creators doing a lot of, you know, some, some silly videos and some videos that honestly that I'm really not proud of and life hit, um, things happen, which maybe we'll talk about later, but, uh, I ended up taking a, a while off creating content to really find myself again and, um, uh, pursued like fitness and, and other things and well, picked it back before, up before we go mentality. on past that what what did happen just just curious um yeah so i believe it was 2019 uh yeah 2019 so i, I got into a relationship and head over heels madly in love and um i was doing pretty well on youtube at the time and just traveling a lot and and spending a lot of money and um uh, kind of just it was like throwing videos up, like, like didn't really care about it as much, I guess. Um, that relationship ended up ending and just maybe a week later, one of my childhood best friends, unfortunately, like passed away mm. very unexpectedly. And that killed me. I mean, I'm talking like, like we were both babies, like, like our families were like this. Mm-hmm. My dad is a firefighter. His, both of his parents are firefighters. My mom's a school teacher. But like our families were like like together, like from the whole entire, our basically our whole entire lives. We played football together, mm-hmm. um, traveled all over together, fishing, four wheeling, just pretty much anything and everything together. And um, he was a he was a firefighter, going down a good path, and kind of like me, you know, he he wanted to pursue something in his life, just like I did, which was making videos for him. It was making music. Um, unfortunately he, he kind of fell in with the wrong crowd and, uh, January 6, uh, 2020, he was shot and killed in Miami. Oh my gosh. Uh, so it was absolutely tragic. I mean, I'll never forget the phone call. I was actually editing a YouTube video. My dad called me about like 10 o'clock at night and he told me, and I was like, there's no way. And then my phone just started like me- me- getting messages and he's like, Hey man, did you hear about Aaron? I was like, this is real. Um, yeah. So that really, really hit me. So on top of that heartbreak from my relationship, on top of that heartbreak from, um, Aaron passing away, I just, um, I, I came at everything with a new fire in me. Uh, like, like everything I do, everything that scares me, I think about Aaron and and I'm living, uh, for him. Wow. So, yeah, that basically that, that really means a lot to me. So I had to take a lot of time off making the videos and eventually I made a video and I addressed it. And, um, you know, people were very supportive about that. And, you know, looking back, uh, where, I, where I'm standing today, I, I'm so proud of, uh, the personal growth that I've made. Um, I really see the world through a new lens. Um, I'm much, I think more empathetic, um, my heart is a lot softer, which I've always had empathy and everything, but now I, I look at the, the, the sunset and I stare a little bit longer. Now I just, you know, 
when I'm releasing that beautiful fish that we worked so hard to catch and, you know, you're just really taking in the moment. And I, I just appreciate um, being my age, getting to do what I do um, because a lot of people aren't that lucky. And uh, so, yeah, so for me, that was kind of what kind of put a hole on making videos. And now I'm making videos that I truly love to do, mm -hmm. not videos that are going to get, probably a lot of views because i mean if i if i went down that route i'm sure i'd have a lot more money in my bank account uh well, you know more I, views I, I see that with 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 youtubers and um and it I, I i look at that and i'm like man at some point that has to be so tiring to just top the last video do something crazier than you did the last video and i really have never wanted to do that right like I just, I don't, I, I see what happens when you do something crazy. You're doing, I don't know, you, whatever, crazy. You're, you're doing something purposefully crazy to get views. And then you get views and then you develop an audience that is looking for crazier things every time. Almost like jackass, right? Like, like yeah. they have to do something. They, they have to raise the bar almost until like, dude, like somebody could die doing that stuff that they're doing mm -hmm. now like but it didn't start that way it was like oh, i'm gonna brand you with this little lighter you know or something like that and then it now it's like we're gonna jump 50 school buses with us with a <laughs> snowmobile when there's no snow like i don't know just crazy <laughs> crazy stuff and it's like how tiring d did you think about that like when you're doing when you're doing crazy videos and stuff like that 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 you know it's like are we going to be able to top this like how do you do you, is that a trap you fall into as a creator? Um, I feel like definitely like like those thoughts come up, man. and um, for me, I I can't say I never enjoyed making like crazy stuff because I some videos were were so crazy, but they weren't like dangerous. Right. But I've definitely done some some videos I privated, or my dad called me and said, "Hey, Ryan, this <laughs> this is probably not a good video." And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. And I'll take it down. Um, and that only happened like once or twice, probably just once. But, uh, you know, I can say today I'm making videos that I truly love. Uh, I, I, going fishing in places I've always wanted to go, traveling. And, um, yeah, I, I could put my videos on the TV and with, with good friends and, and really be proud of what I'm showing them. I can't say the same for other guys. And I definitely would not want to put one of my older videos on. Because, you know, I was younger and uh, grown a lot since then. But, yeah, I definitely think those thoughts are – those points you mentioned are are valid for sure. Yeah, it seems like it seems like at some point. And I guess that's why you see you see some creators, you know, on YouTube specifically in TikTok and, and Instagram, they, they kind of come and go because it, it has to be – it has to be fatiguing. And then when you don't – when you don't top the last couple of videos, then your audience is like pretty fickle, like eh, moving on to the next guy that's crazy, mm -hmm. right? But but you seem to have have uh, really moved into a direction that that's a little more sustainable in my in my opinion of uh, of this travel. Like, how did you how did you go from where you were to and did you like? put it down on paper like I'm, I'm gonna try to create these kind of videos and then what does that look like how do you set yourself up to do that do you, you said you have a cameraman now and some people yeah. helping you so what does that look like it honestly wasn't ever something that i manifested or, or wrote down like like a goal like i want to do this it just kind of like 
fruition, I guess. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, so I was making some videos in the States doing, doing cool types of fishing, going up to New York or Pennsylvania, catching like salmon and steelhead or traveling around Florida doing fishing. And, uh, the videos were, you know, they were, they were fun to make. And I was like, what's, what's a really cool trip that I've always wanted to do. And, um, that's what I set out on doing. So I, I went last March, uh, 2022 to, uh, the Rio Tomo river, which is in Colombia. It's a, uh, it's a tributary connected to the Orinoco river basin. Um, so, you know, we can say it's similar to the Amazon. It's really not the Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, but we do have Amazonian fish species mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. And I did that trip solo, which I was absolutely terrified. Um, but uh, one of my buddies who's made this trip probably 9, 10, 11 times over, he was down in Florida, like right before I went on this trip. And I was like, man, like I was literally taking him to the airport. I was like, Ty, like I'm pretty freaking nervous to go on this trip by myself, man. Like I'm thinking about canceling. He's just like, don't do it, Ryan. Like, like I promise you, you're going to have the time of your life. You're gonna come back home, sit in your bed, and and look at the look at the roof, and look at the ceiling. And he's gonna say, and you're gonna say, man, I did that. That was the most insane thing I've ever done. So we went down to the Amazon, um, targeting peacock bass, and one of the videos currently is almost at half a million views on YouTube got a lot of great feedback and I made, I think probably five, four or five videos of that trip. It was just incredible fishing. It was just absolutely insane. And, um, I got back from the trip and I was like, what's next? I want to do something else. And I was just scrolling through Instagram one day and I, and I see this video that pops up of the, Am of the Amazon, uh, just a beautifully produced video catching uh, peacock bass and, and it was by this YouTube channel called Project Bass Thumb. His name's Joel. He's from Switzerland. He's actually a good buddy of mine. He was working with another cameraman from uh, Poland, who who is my cameraman. His name's Adrian Paluszkiewicz. And so I, I found them on Instagram. I messaged them, and I was like, this is just absolutely beautiful work. And I was like, I have to work with this guy. So I contact Adrian. We hop on a phone call. I was like, man, I, like, we have to do something cool. Uh, a month or a couple months go by and we ended up planning for him to come down to Florida. Um, Chevrolet uh, contacted me and they were like, Hey Ryan, like we'd love to, to do a road trip with you. Like, like we'll give you a truck. They never said road trip. They, they said, we'd like to give you a truck to make content with. And I pitched them the idea of a road trip called hook in Florida. And basically we did a new uh, location every single day, targeting a new species for like five days and um it was really cool man we, we fished with some really cool individuals um got to interview them how that inspired their fishing um and basically just about their life and, and what they do and it was a really cool video so that was our first thing that we did and then we did the amazon uh together uh so we fished the uh uh Guavier river um so we went we flew to bogota and then we, we flew to a small town called San Jose, and we had an absolutely crazy travel day. So it started out, um, you know, from Bogota, flying to San Jose, load up in this tiny little boat. There's literally a spare lower unit on top of the <laughs> boat tied by rope. 
Um, we throw all of our bags in there. It's me, uh, my cameraman, my buddy Jake, who I go up to fish with in Pennsylvania. He's a really good buddy of mine. Uh, and two dudes I never met, Carl and, and Derek. Uh, Derek actually lives in uh, like Boca. So it, it was just cool, man. We had a really cool group of guys. We all load up in this boat. And they're like, all right, um, we got about a 10-hour boat ride downstream. And we're like, oh, boy. Uh, Ten so we hours? load up in this rinky-dink boat. Ten hours, you said? Ten hours. <laughs> okay. So we load up in this rinky-dink boat, and um, we start heading downstream. And we stop at 161 miles at this tiny village, uh, not connected by any roads, only by river. And uh, we, we walk up these steps, and it's like a whole little town. Uh, and, you know, people are just looking at us like, wow, I, I, like they don't see people like us often. So we, we, we go there to refuel, eat some food, hop back in the boat. And we keep we, we keep going downstream until the darkness. And our boat driver Wait, said that what uh, did you the do water at that levels. Town? What did you do at that town? You just stopped in for for a break or, or what? Oh, um, we stopped in. Uh, he had to make a few repairs on the motor. <laughs> And uh, put refuel the boat, and we just ate lunch at a little small restaurant. Mm-hmm. All this is on YouTube, by the way. It's yeah. a really cool video. It's called Jungle Jeopardy. Nice. Um, and so we load back in the boat. We head downstream until the night comes, and um, we, we get hit with a big storm. And the the boat driver didn't feel comfortable going down the rapids with all the with the boat being so heavy as it was with all of our bags and everything. So we ended up pulling off to the side. We don't have a satellite phone or anything like this is sketchy, man. We're 250 miles into the, into the jungle at this point. And, um, we ended up uh, pulling off the riverbank because we saw a little lit up house up there somewhere in the jungle. And, um, our translator goes up, walks up and he's like talking to, to the guy and, um, the Colombian, uh, man and his family they let us sleep in his house overnight so he he set us up in some hammocks i slept on a little mattress about this thin on the floor and man when i tell you i've never had such a bad bug attack in my life (laughs) that that was one of my biggest how lucky i am to live in america moments that was just like the luxuries that we have that we take for granted that was even with all the time you spent in the glades and 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 uh you go up to Flamingo and, and the bugs oh, were yeah. 10 million times worse than Flamingo it's because a, that's saying something. It is something. a million times worse, but the, the worst part is they're stinging bugs and they're flying cockroaches and they're um, constantly, like, you're trying to sleep and, and you get silence and all of a sudden it's <laughs> and they start attacking you. So that was uh, a night I was very happy to, the sun came up when it did and we got back in the boat. Um, but it, when I tell you it was the coolest thing ever, just, I had Google translator offline and I'm just communicating with everybody and, um, you know, they're asking questions. I'm asking questions. Um, they, they ended up cooking us a amazing dinner. Uh, it was like such a cool little dish they made. They made us like, um, some nice rice, some, um, some fried, uh, some fried, what is it? Uh, they're not plantains, but smashed banana. They fry oh, yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Pl- yeah. So something like, like that with, with a nice egg on top. It was oh. so good. And like for dessert, they made us uh, like some tea with some honey. Dang. Oh, it was just, it was so just could amazing. You, so could we, you uh, give them anything on the way out? Like, did you have oh, yeah, anything no, that oh, they yeah. needed or we, wanted? Everybody tipped them. Where I, I mean, I gave just them money. Oh yeah. 
yeah, I was like so grateful because, you know, if it wasn't for that, we'd be sleeping in the boat and these mm-hmm. people were kind enough to let us come in their home and, and, um, you know, crash at their place, yeah. you know? So we ended up going to camp, we get to camp and we're told we have to repack again for three days and we had another 150 mile journey downstream. So after basically two days of no sleep, traveling to Columbia from Florida, sleepless in Columbia overnight, we have another journey uh, downstream to our next camp that we're going to stay at, which was unbelievable. We were camping beside a giant waterfall and just fishing our way all the way down to where we're camping, man. And we were catching these. I'll show you. Check that out. Oh, man. Payara. <laughs> Payara. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah, so um, we're fishing for payara. It was just like an incredible fishery, man, on fly, on spin, on everything. I think I broke uh, my rod on the way down. It was just like madness. So that, that's just a little taste of so Colombia. Let me ask you about that payara because they obviously have those incredible jaws like you just like you just showed us, and they've got those big like canines on the bottom that just kind yeah. of come up. What is it? Why, why do they have a jaw structure like that? Are they hunting something that that they have to have those teeth? Or, like, what is that all about? For whatever reason, evolution made them so they have these crazy teeth right here. Yeah. But So when they come up and they hit your bait, uh, because I noticed that they like to hit, like, like pretty much topwater or subsurface, uh, very slow retrieve. Uh, so when they come up, they, they, they miss your lure hmm. all the time. Like, like, but what they do is they open their mouth and they slice. Oh. So, so that, that that's pretty much how they hunt. And on their top upper jaw, they have holes which these teeth go into. Yeah. And come like a out, barracuda has that. Into. Barracuda has that on the right in the middle. That one tooth that comes up in the yes. barracuda and it's got a hole right there. I always thought that was the coolest thing because it like when it closes, it locks. Like it's mm-hmm. it's locked closed. So, oh, like, yeah. like that fish is not getting out. Neither is your finger if you get in. Oh, <laughs> no. They bite you. My buddy caught one, caught a payar, and he, and you know, unhooking it, it went crazy. And it got hooked, his the tooth in his boot. Oh, no. The, the, it went through his boot, but it didn't like protrude all the way through, ju- just through the material. But I mean, it was stuck to his boot. Wow. So, I mean, it's just unbelievable the species that we caught on that trip, man. We caught um, another fish called the Matrinxa. Without a doubt, the hardest hitting fish I've ever caught in my life. Imagine a, a golden shiner and a grass carp had a baby. Hmm. That is this fish. And it was one of the most delicious fish I've ever had in my life. So the, we caught this fish. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I mean, we. I actually brought um, – a, a tape and a scale and stuff. Cause we're, we're going to try to break some IGFA world records mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. And the fishing was just so crazy. And so I, we didn't really, really do anything with that, but uh, we caught some definitely unofficial world record size <laughs> matrinxas. Um, they hit so ferociously, especially after heavy rain. We, we got hit with some really, really heavy rain, which made fishing tough. But after heavy rain, they sit right underneath the trees. Mm-hmm. And as soon as your lure hits the water, they smash it right on top. It's it's on. And what kind but, of lure do you use for this? Um, so just uh, I was using a redhead, white body, lip plug. 
Probably three foot diving. Does it float when you're when you? It floats, and they would heat it on the surface, and then it just kind of comes up like this. And as soon as you, as soon as it hit the water, though, they were eating it. As soon as it hits the water, or uh, if you're casting and it kind of hooks on itself and it swims all weird, that's for whatever reason they they love to hit it like that. But uh, I I found the lure that worked for me. It was that redhead white body um, plug. I was throwing that the whole time where I was throwing a, a fire tiger countdown Rapala the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also noticed that single hooks work a lot better for these fish right mm-hmm. here because with a treble hook, it is almost impossible to hook the payara. But for the matrinksa, they'd wrap them in banana leaves and smoke them overnight over the fire. And that's what we had for breakfast most days was um, fish soup um, with some um, rice and potatoes or the matrinksa and every day uh we'd have a lunch and they'd wrap our lunch in these banana leaves and then saran wrap it and we leave early in the morning we probably load up on the boat 6 30 we're gone and we eat lunch around 1 or 1 1 30 every day and we open up the banana leaves and it is piping hot still really and it blew my mind i'm just like wow so it was no, a it really was, cool Was it experience. sitting in any kind of cooler or anything or, or like just just that with saran wrap and that's <laughs> it, enough? It was that with saran wrap and oh. they threw it in a little bag and, and like a little Publix bag and just threw it. We were fishing in this, you know, 12-foot John boat. That is so cool, man. Yeah. Um, so with, with that type of food and everything, did you have any trouble with your diabetes? Um, Actually, no. Uh, I, I definitely rice. can say – my uh, that time it was good. The first time I went to Colombia, I don't know if it was the nerves or the anxiety, but I had a, up and like up and down, up and down, very low lows and very high highs. So it was pretty tough to to keep that. But my second time, I was like, you know, I'm gonna resist temptation because all of the snacks in Colombia are like crack, <laughs> like because they use cane sugar. Yeah. So the Gatorades in Colombia are the most delicious thing you ever have. The, the Oreos that they have are the most delicious thing. So the first time I went there, I was just a vacuum. I was just <laughs> eating all of it. The second time I was like, you got to chill out, keep your blood sugar nice and stable because we got to make some banger videos. And, um, man, it, it was just such a blast. And I, like we mentioned on the call, um, I went back pursuing uh, a peacock bass over 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh and I just got back four days ago, and we caught a 21-pound peacock bass on the last day, uh, on the, the last lagoon of the day. We were throwing redhead, white body, little Yozuri, small little profile. And um, it was very that, – that trip, it was tough. That, that was the toughest fishing I've seen. I was expecting all the lures that I, that I was crushing it on the first time I went for the peacocks to work. They didn't want to have it. <laughs> there were some doctors in the in the tent next to me. Um, doc, Dr. Bob Marks, he's a doctor at the University of Miami. And, um, you know, I didn't think they were going to do good. So the first day we go out, we, we had a tough day until uh, at sunset, I was throwing a, a, t- a, like a nine-inch bone spook, and I'm throwing it on the beach. And so the beaches, they're basically just like like Vs, and they come out, and there's and they're deep pockets and everything so i'm throwing the spook my, my cameraman adrian he has the drone up and he's following the lure and we get 
a 19 pound peacock bass smashes the spook once on on um the drone we captured it i set the hook the lure flies i'm like no 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 come back twitch 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 like four feet from the boat this peacock bass smashes it it was mad footage this video is coming out probably the next like like three weeks so we we catch this fish we get back to camp and we're asking everybody about the day and um dr bob marks he had an incredible day and he he's been all over the world fishing he's been to africa like like 30 times he's traveled so like uh, also forgot to mention when we were traveling there i i got to ride with him so we had about a six hour um car ride down this bumpy road and like like down all these fields and and farms and and craziness and and i just couldn't believe that 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 they knew where to go i could we're just going deeper into these red dirt roads and 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 through the bush and everything over sketchy little wooden bridges and i'm talking to, to bob about everything and he's like telling me about this lure that he has and he's like man i can't wait to throw this lure his eyes are like lighting up about it and that lure was a yum uh i think it's called a money minnow it's just a swim bait um but he's like man this money minnow like he goes up to canada fishing for pike and he's like i've had 100 day pike days on this lure like the peacock but i was like yeah i don't know man last time i was here they didn't touch the swim bait. I, I brought swim baits last time. I told them I thought they're gonna work, and I was like, I left them all at home because they didn't work. Oh no! And um, the the next two days after I caught that pe- that big peacock bass, literally the following day, I only caught two peacocks. The next day after that, I maybe I caught three or four. Fishing was tough. Couldn't figure it out. Um, the only thing that was working for me was was the fly. And um, <laughs> Doctor Bob, he's like he's like he gave me some swim baits. Next day, the fishing was amazing with the swim baits got a 15 pounder um got a bunch of numbers and so it's just really cool especially going on these trips because all the fishermen that you meet they're hardcore to go on this trip mm-hmm. you have to kind of be mad about fishing and um so i've met some really cool individuals learned a lot um exchanged some phone numbers with, with some really cool guys i definitely think i consider lifelong friends um, that's cool man so That's it's cool. just really cool the, the journey more than any and anything. And talk about what last thing I'll mention. I don't want to talk about this all the time, but like when I tell you the happiest, stress-free people you've ever met, some of the hardest working people you've ever met, like it is mind blowing. These people have no worries. Uh, they they literally live in in uh, the small town outside of the jungle. Some of them live in the jungle. They're all laughing. They're all smiling. Um, it's just an incredible experience. And I think everybody could learn something about themselves and, and about the luxuries of this country going on one of these trips. It really is amazing. And for me, talk, it's modern day time travel. Hmm. You feel yeah, like yeah. you're a hundred years back in time when, when you're, when you're going on these trips, there's, there's nothing, there's zero pollution. The water is crystal clear. There's amazing wildlife. Um, and the fishing is untouched it's it's really something special that's so cool man i've i've had uh some experiences like that going like the first time i went to christmas island it was like going back in time 50 years i mean there's just i mean you're just like people are like wearing like native dress like then the second time i went there 20 years later they were like wearing like 
t-shirts and stuff but there was just like <laughs> you know it was just the coolest thing ever i mean some people were wearing oh. t-shirts and stuff that you know people would leave stuff there and and stuff but they would still like fashion kind of skirts out of out of uh palm trees and stuff like palm fronds and and it was just the coolest thing and and you just do that modern day time travel that's really cool to to think about it like that what did you do did you have challenges with uh with camera gear and charging and batteries and oh my goodness because like when we when we plan like stuff like this it's like yeah we'd love to do it but i mean you know like where are we going to charge how much you know all this stuff what was it like for you so the first two trips we're very, very um, smooth at that. Uh, at our tent, you have um, like you know outlets and everything. Oh, so really? I always bring like a, what hooked up to know, batteries or what? Yes. Okay. Hooked hooked up to a generator. Okay. So you can charge every night. Um, so that, that wasn't really an issue. The second trip, um, we literally had to plug in directly to a gasoline generator. All of our batteries were on the floor like ants crawling over all of our batteries, like biting ants, like red ants. Um, I literally have a video. I think I posted it on my Instagram story before. I might do it as a real one day, but like you can see, I was like, this is how we charge in the Amazon. And we're and he's literally dumping gasoline into this generator. Our batteries are charged. It was really hard to keep charged that time, but I think you guys could absolutely do it. I'd, I'd love to see you uh, go um, fresh water awesome. and do that. It would be awesome. And something else. I mean, for me, because um, my fishing journey kind of began um, in Miami for the most part. My first fish ever when I was five years old was a sea trout fishing with George Myra, who used to play for uh, the Miami Hurricanes, great friend of my dad. He took us out on, on his boat. We were fishing um, in Sanibel Island, Florida, mm-hmm. and uh, caught a sea trout, and I loved it. And then came back to Miami, and my dad and I – you know, went to the Everglades every weekend. We had a a, a, like a, a thing. We, we would go, Robert is here, grab some smoothies, hit the Everglades all day, dodge bait and tackle, grab some shiners, whatever, and, and beat the bank and just peacock bass, peacock bass. So peacock bass have always been mm-hmm. a very special fish to me. So literally to get that 21 pounder, like, like that was just like, like such a moment. And I was like, man, like I, I literally grew up watching amazing fishing shows as every Saturday morning, my dad and I watch, you know, saltwater experience or Mike Iconelli fish, my city, all these shows. And, and I, and like, that was, I think a moment for me where I really was like, like the ultimate blessing. I, I can't, I really can't explain that feeling. What, what do you think um, the biggest peacock you've ever heard about being caught in Miami or, or the glades or, or in South Florida? anywhere is oh i have a picture can i grab yeah, it real quick for sure you can okay how much time we got i think this might be one of the biggest peacock bass so this was like after i used to play flag football <laughs> and uh, after our game uh i caught this gigantic butterfly it might be a papoka peacock bass but this was a double digit no doubt yeah it was nice. that, that thing was an absolute monster that is so cool so, so how really much do you cool. think that weighed how much did you did you just say what it weighed i didn't hear it, it was over 10 pounds over 10 pounds. I, I can't okay. remember exactly but i think the igfa record is probably 10 close to 10 
um, out of Homestead, mm. which is where I, I, I lived in Homestead for some years. This was caught in Kendall right next to Killian High School. I was using a little rattle trap, and this fish was on its fry. So it had this was the big male, mm-hmm. and the the female was was around it. And I remember my dad and I we were following these fish. I was casting at them, and they they, they were not interested. And um, and I was like, all right, let's let's pack it up. It's it's getting time to go home, eat some dinner. I was like I was like, all right. And I took a few more casts, and these fish eventually went to the middle of the canal. So they were gone. So I was just blind casting this rattle trap. And, and all of a sudden I, I was like, oh man, I'm snagged. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I have something. And it was the giant male. Um, but our, our film coming up, like that's a picture when I was young. Nice. Catching nice. peacocks, man. I've always loved that's catching awesome. peacock bass since I was a kid. I, I have these pictures on hand because uh, our, our film in the, in the, in the jungle starts out me, you know, looking at these pictures uh-huh. and, and expressing my love for, for these fish and, and, um, the fishery. So what, what yeah. do you think the difference is between like, you know, the peacock bass is an introduced species where, where, where we are in Florida and then you're going to where they're native. And did you notice any differences in, in fishing for them in, in anything or did they behave they're the, the same, same exact fish, same fish? They really are the same exact fish. Um, they, they, they fish, just like you would in South Florida over there. The only difference is there's more species of them. So I got to catch all five species of peacock bass on my recent trip. So there's a cinchado peacock bass, which is the big tamensis, which everybody wants to catch. They're the big green ones with the dark um, stripes running down. There's a uh, pintalapa, which is um, – they're a bit whitewashed. They have like like the, the dots running, running mm-hmm. horizontally, and they have very pale stripes. There's the butterfly peacock bass, which we have in South Florida, uh, in Colombia, in the in the Amazon. They look a, they look a little bit different. They have very light um, lines running down the three bars, very light, but they have three dots that are very bright. Um, and there is the electrico peacock bass is what is what the locals call them, and those ones are absolutely beautiful. I'll, I'll pull up a picture to show you, and then there's there's another species called mm, – I'll show you real quick, a, a sneak peek. This is the 21-pounder. Mm. Oh, wow. Well, which, which type is that? That That is the um, Tamensis cinchado peacock bass. And now – oh, this is the Electrico. So this is actually my fishing guide here. His name is Cheeky. And he wow, look at 26 that fish, years old. Man. Yeah, so it's th- a little more like, uh, elongated, you know. Exactly. So it's almost like a snook. Yeah. Uh, how they have that lateral line running all the way down. Um, so in South Florida, when the peacock bass were originally released to here, I believe they put all five species in Florida, and the only ones that survived and thrived were the butterflies. Hmm. Um, but yeah, man, they they fish. Very similarly, they love you know fast action. Some days slow. Now, having you gone gotta, having gone down there and seen the the native habitat and stuff, did, could you make any um, any kind of correlation to why that one species made it and the others didn't in Florida? You know, there's a lot of deep places for for those peacocks to to go when it when it gets hot 
Um, they, they definitely like to, to go deep in the middle of the lagoon. That's where we caught our big one. Um, we were casting out in the in the middle of the lagoon. I, I really don't know why the peacocks all didn't thrive here because there's plenty of forage, you know. Uh, for whatever reason, I think the butterfly peacock just grows to, uh, you know, that's a, that's one of the smaller sizes. And, they, I mean, still they put up a great fight and they get pretty pretty good size. But I, I really have no answer for that. It's honestly yeah. pretty fascinating to think about why one would make it and the others didn't because these are all from the same bloodline, right. you know. Yeah, it's interesting. Now, a couple of things I, I saw uh, when I was doing watching some of your latest videos were the catfish too. Like you caught some awesome looking catfish, and that and the catfish there is uh, seems to be much more of a gamey fish, like more, more so than just like a blue cat or something like we have, you know, up here, which. It's a nice fish to catch, but it's not really like a flathead catfish. Now that one, that one eats like you can fish live live sunfish, and you know they they pound the crap out of that thing, and it's that's oh, yeah. a really cool fish. I like the flathead catfish. I haven't really had um, I don't know to, to I haven't really thought about a lot of other catfish, and maybe I haven't fished for enough of them, but um, I haven't really thought about a lot of other ones as like a real game fish. But like what you were catching down there looked unbelievable, and they've got some crazy fish, crazy catfish. Like in the Amazon, those those huge ones that there's that video that dude cuts his lure under the bushes, and then this this thing comes out, and it's like six feet long. That thing, I don't know what kind of catfish that is, but I want to catch one of those. Oh, and then yeah. those red tails that you were catching look amazing, man. And you you know about those because of like. Like the the predatory fins and all the stuff that we have in South Florida. I mean, you see those catfish like in aquariums and stuff like that. So I, I would assume that you already knew all about what you might encounter down there. But tell me about that and the other kind of species that you caught. Oh my gosh! So the catfishing was really cool. So when we went to the Amazon, we were catching the payara for half the trip, and we had an option: we can either go try to catch big peacock bass, or we can go. Um, try to target um, catfish. I was like, yeah, I don't what, care about catfish. Just go what would be the bass. difference? Like you would go into slower water or faster water or like different so areas or how would if you? If you wanted to go to catch big peacock bass, you had to make probably a four-hour hike through the jungle, physically carry your boat uh-huh. all the way to a small lagoon. That's like like literally this. there's this lagoon. And, that, and you get to fish that for like two, three days. It's a huge lagoon. Um, but yeah, you basically you have to set up a new camp. You have to bring all your food, everything. So it's like a whole mission. And, um, you know, after all the crazy travel, I was like, man, that would be so cool for the video, like all the cool wildlife. And I was like, but like, I want to try something different. I, I want to try these peacock bass because the river that we are fishing, the Guavaire is known for its big catfish, um, the peacock bass too. But, um, for example, where I just was in Columbia, there's no catfish. So we, uh, we had an opportunity there to, to catch some cool species. And um, it was just amazing. So we, we made a video called the Food Chain Fishing Challenge. Mm, yeah, basically that. starting yeah, from, cool. from worms and working our way up the food chain. So we, it, and even the bait fish that we catch there all have some serious sharp teeth. It's hmm. just like mind-blowing. But, man – we uh, ended up fishing this tiny little conjunction of like three different little 
creeks and there's like this little deep pocket here and um, we're, we're, we're catching our live bait and we ended up catching a, a fish called the palometa. It's basically, just imagine a moon fish. Mm-hmm. It's basically the size of, of a dinner plate, super flat. Um, they kind of remind me of like a pompano because, mm-hmm. man, they, they take drag when you, when you fight them. And uh, so the last day we, we actually – Is that what you use fishing. for cut bait for the catfish? Yes. Okay, because I saw that and it did look like a pompano. Like you, you know, like the head pompano. was cut off, but you could see like half of it. It looked like a pompano. Like, oh, that's cool. So I, I we caught a, a palometa, and and uh, they're like, I think that's too big, man. Let's throw it back. I was like, man, we've been trying to get bait for like an hour. Uh, the piranhas just kept eating all the hooks away, and piranhas don't work over there. Believe it or not, you will not catch anything on a piranha. Cut bait, live bait, they don't eat the piranhas. Wow. So I was like, let let's just try it out. I threw the bait out there, and, and mind you, this is probably a pound. Like it's a big giant bait like literally this big like like the mouth just imagine the mouth of a fish to eat that um it didn't last 30 seconds (laughs) it didn't last like literally 15 seconds every single bait we're throwing out there was just getting just destroyed man i i had so much break-offs on 150 pound braid 200 pound leader um it was just are they cutting you off or breaking you off breaking us off wow yeah i mean and something really cool is, uh, which it's cool, but it isn't cool. And I'll explain why. Um, the last two days, uh, we, we brought a live scope over the catfish hole that we were fishing. So, you know, you know what live scope is. Yeah. Um, so we're able to see fish and, and all the structure and everything. And we literally saw catfish over five feet long in 22 feet of water. There's these giant brush piles everywhere. You can literally see the payara. So we would drop down um, like a lipless crankbait or something. And, and you know, the lure comes all the way down and you're just over the brush pile. And you see the payaras, they all come up to it. And they hit just like a tarpon would. Imagine a tarpon. They just, they yeah. flash just like, it, it was the most insane thing. But to see the size of the catfish there is mind-blowing. Eventually... We were literally running out of all of our rigs and everything, so we ran outside of that um, that conjunction of, of small rivers, and we fished the main river, which is just—I mean, it's just monstrous. And um, we ended up catching like a forty-pound red tail, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like, like dream come true!" And then they just kept coming. We're catching more big red tails and more big red tails, and like that's just a crazy, crazy dream fish for me. So. That is yeah, so cool. like, like you said, we actually caught something called the rip saw catfish. They call them caiman killers uh, because the caimans can't eat them. Yeah. Because on their lateral line, it's literally a bunch of like like knife blades coming out. Could you handle it that fish? Like, my how do you handle it? Oh, you you either you get pliers and you hold it by the mouth, or you can get your finger in the mouth and, uh-huh. and just put one finger kind of like like where his like anal fin is, and uh-huh. just be real careful. But I, I tried to grab him and put my hand underneath when I first caught him, and he um, sliced me with his pectoral fin, and it literally is serrated. Like it cut me deep, and I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like a gill goodness. plate on a on a Goliath or something or a snook, right? Oh yeah, yeah. razor sharp, but wow. serrated. I mean, these fish down there. I mean, even the big red tails. I mean, they'll they'll cut you pretty good. 
Seems like you got to so, be pretty careful about stuff like that when you're that remote and far away. I mean, like a, a, little, oh. a little cut here is no big deal. Down there, that could like go bad fairly quickly. I think dude. every single time that I've been, I've had an infection on my foot or my ankle, um, just from all the bug bites, all the itching and everything, you, you definitely have to be careful. Um, Did anybody get sick? But the water, the water is pretty clean, believe mm-hmm. it or not. I mean, because it's just so out there. But you definitely just have to be careful. Wash everything. Uh, just have did you, good. Did you take ha- any kind of uh, water purifier or or uh, iodine pills or anything? Um, no, no, like life straws or anything. I was, you know, you brush your teeth with bottles of water. You drink bottles of water. Um, definitely would be a good idea to to bring uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, pretty much activated charcoal. You know, if you eat something, you feel like it's kind of sketchy. Take one of those, you'll feel good. Hmm. But um, yeah, uh, definitely take vitamin C. Uh, all, all your vitamins down there. Just it, it's good to, just to have it. It's yeah. Did you, you know, take any kind? You know of, the saying, um, like burn the boats. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how it feels when you're over there. There's just like no escape button. If something goes wrong, you're you're hours and hours and hours away. And there's plenty of venomous and poisonous things over there. I mean, there's venomous snakes. There's poisonous plants, um, all, all sorts of crazy stuff that, oh, and, and another crazy story before we end this thing. Uh, my first time there, there was a fishing guide who was walking, uh, in the river, like in the middle of the fishing day. And he got stung by a stingray right in his, um, foot, like, like kind of like on the sole of his foot. And he passed out from the pain. And luckily, the, the, the guys that he took fishing, like, like they have plenty of boating experience. So they ended up driving the boat all the way back to camp, which was a very, very far boat ride. And, you know, I took a video of his shoe and there's just a hole about this big, wow. like the amount of freshwater stingrays there. That's the, the biggest thing that you have to be careful for over there is those stingrays because they are so well camouflaged and you don't think about it. You're like, Oh, right. freshwater. But some but of those man. freshwater stingrays in that part of the world, and I think in the Amazon, I don't know about where you were, but some of them can get really big, like as big as our Six saltwater. Foot. Yeah, like as bigger, bigger than our saltwater stingrays, right? Absolutely. I mean, they're huge, and, and they're really pretty looking too, and they have all those beautiful little yellow rings and everything, but man, that is not not a good time. I mean, that's <laughs> serious, serious doo-doo. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds bad, but you guys seem to make it, uh, pretty well. And what a test for your cameraman, like to see if, see if you guys got a future is to take him to where he's going to get just, just crushed by stinging insects and biting, biting ants and, uh, see if he's still in. You know, the, the cool thing about Adrian is, um, not only that, but just to get for, for me to get to Florida to Columbia is about a four hour plane ride. For him, he has to fly from um, Switzerland to Berlin, Berlin to uh, Bogota or Medellin. That's about a 16 hours in itself right there. I mean, that, that's and he did that insane. alone? So, he he, he oh, travels yeah. alone and does that? Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, and, from I mean, Switzerland. yeah. That seems He's like the absolute polar opposite of Switzerland. Literally. Like you're high and dry and and mountainous and then you're going to the deepest, darkest freaking jungle on the planet. 
Like that oh, just, yeah. I don't know how you could get more opposite. Oh yeah. I mean, and honestly, it's really cool working with him too, because he is a super talented fisherman as well. Like, like he loves to catch like those catfish that you were talking about, mm-hmm. those big ones that eat the, on top of the water. Those are called Wells catfish. Mm-hmm. And he fishes for those um, during the winter months. Also fishes for Xander. I don't know if you ever heard of those. They're basically like a giant walleye. Uh, very similar to walleye, but they're they're different a bit. Wow. So um, he definitely has helped me fishing. He's like he's like switch to this lure, and I, and I was, all right, and I end up catching a fish. You know, so like we definitely work really well together. He um, has suffered with me, um, that's for sure. So I definitely have a great a great partner in this thing. Um, we have a we have a three man team. Adrian films, he edits. Um, there's me. And then another guy that we work with, uh, Magic is his name, M-A-C-I-E-K. He does all of our color grading. Magic, he works for uh, Red Bull in Switzerland. So he's, like, really, really good at color grading, and he loves to, like, film snowboarding. And we're trying to plan um, maybe, like, an Alaskan trip together, uh, all three of us, and go out and make, like, something in the cold because Magic is not about that jungle life. And honestly, I need a break from the jungle. So we're, we're kind of figuring out our travel for the rest of the year. We have our eyes set on a few things. Oman would be amazing, targeting giant javali mm-hmm. on poppers and, and, you know, all the flats, fly fishing for those crazy trigger fish and blue travali, all that stuff. Australia would be insane for um, the Bear Monday, the GT, whatever. I, have a bunch I got of, some people to hook you up with in Australia. These guys are freaking animals. They, They're animals, man. These, they, they eat these nails two for guys, breakfast. These two guys I know, Mick Guthrie and GT Buster. You know those two guys? Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah, shout out to Mick. To, and, and you need to call them because, ben. I mean, the as crazy a trip as you just told me about, they do the same in, in Australia. They, they, like, they were like, okay, well, there's a little weather window, so we're going to drive 17 hours, and then we're going to get in the boat, and then we're going to go out to the edge of the earth. <laughs> basically and camp there on these little sand islands oh and there are crocodiles there and it's like holy shit man what if something goes wrong and they're like well i mean it has you know it's like we've learned our lesson so they take like six batteries and two lower units and all i mean just like stuff that we don't even think about in florida like i mean it's just uh, they they are those guys are animals I loved. I did two podcasts. I did a podcast with both those guys, and I loved. I loved talking to them because they just. It's just, it's just extreme. But extreme to them is just like par for the course. That's just what they do. They oh, don't even. Man. They don't even realize how extreme it is that what they're doing. They're just like, well, yeah. I mean, seventeen hours on this little tiny dirt road, and if you get a flat tire, you know, basically, nobody's coming, and you're walking out of there. I'm like, do you understand how? crazy that is like that is so far remote like that if you get a flat tire you're you're basically gonna walk for days to get out of there like that's i don't know awesome i want to go that is (laughs) honestly i want to go but different yeah man but i mean that's just like you know but i mean if that's what you do that's what you do you don't even realize that it's like strange like everybody doesn't do this i feel like you know also, like when you go through all those trials and tribulations and like like all the craziness and you get that fish in your hands after all you've been through, 
you just reflect on that in that moment and it just makes it like so much more of an adrenaline rush so much more of like a we did it like yeah. like, like through everything i don't know I, and for me i would compare that kind of to just like how this whole journey has been for me just like like so many unexpected things um so many um you know you you, you have to be tenacious you have to just like be a, about the grind and, and about everything and, and that really just fires me up i, I love um i love those crazy trips and i've learned a lot from traveling um and uh being outside of my comfort zone it's something that i know you are a regular at yeah. I, you know what i gotta be honest i've not i have not come close to those ten thousand push-ups <laughs> man. I, I have not well there's always next year um, but you're you're doing you're doing other things. It's hard to do ten thousand push-ups in the jungle. But uh, next year, do it next year. I'm at seven thousand something today. I don't know. We did Holy we did. Uh, well, you know, if you just I, I don't know. I like to do them. I like to front load them in the day and and like I'll do I'll do fifty during my warm up anyway. And then so I'm, when I'm doing this, it's like then I'll do fifty after the warm up. So now you're at a hundred. Then I'll do fifty so there's, before there's I stretch no my shoulders. For you right well, now, is it only? I, I I have a gym, but it's outside. I mean, everything's outside. Um, Man, I, I want to do next next iCast your deck of cards. Yeah, workout. Come on, I, I have to I have to do it. I'll man. be at the Miami Boat Show. Uh, we'll probably meet before the Miami Boat Show. I don't know if you're going there. But oh, sweet. I, I think I was gonna probably go. Yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, I I usually do it with with some dudes um, on the beach there before before the boat show in the mornings. But yeah, we'll we'll get together. Yeah, I've, I watched awesome, your fitness man. journey. It's awesome. You, I appreciate you were really it. working hard. I love it, man. Uh, I love for me. I, I mean, it just does a lot. Like, like from a mental, it's just good. I think everyone should just challenge themselves and just do something that they don't want to do. Channel mm -hmm. your inner David Goggins. Yeah. You know, something yeah. that I recently started uh, was Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, I noticed. And that. I, I train pretty much every day, one to two times a day. That's awesome. Um, but that's another luxury of doing what I do is, is you have the free time to, to pursue other things. And I've learned so much through jujitsu. Um, you know, when there's a big dude on top of you, you're trying to breathe and, and you're figuring out how am I going to get this dude off me? And, you know, all the amount of strength doesn't matter. It's just literally a game of inches and a game of angles and mm -hmm. flip them right on over. Did so you have any wrestling really background cool. or anything? What's that? Did you have a wrestling background at all? Uh, no wrestling background. Um, I always roughhouse though with, with my friends and uh, uh, two of my really good buddies, uh, Aaron Benz Raham. He's a, a black belt at Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and, and he's a really awesome inshore snook fisherman. He'd honestly, probably be great for your podcast. Mm -hmm. um, probably gonna end up doing some fishing with him tonight. Sunset snook fishing. Nice. Um, so I, I've been training with him in his garage before I started. And another one of my buddies who's a brown belt, Captain Matt Bud. Oh, Matt Bud. Um, Love Matt Bud. Yeah, he he's a great buddy of mine, oh, too. He's awesome, dude, man. Great, great fisherman, too. Oh, my gosh. He, he's so talented. I don't, you know, I I, I would cons I would say I'm probably like a, a brown belt in fishing. Maybe not even. He's a, he's a four-strike black belt, that guy. Yeah. He's like Well, he's, he's really good because, like, he, he – He's like um, he's like a lot of my friends in Key West that that really are 
really are commercial fishermen, but they also guide and they like like have like the they have both mentalities. Like you have the people that are just fishing guides and that's fine. But then you have the guys that are just commercial fishermen and that's fine. But then you have a few people that kind of cross over to both and they know the bait and they know the they know everything, man. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just a it's like it's like what you're saying like it's a different belt like it's you you know more and you know the guiding side and you know the commercial side and you know the bait side and you know the you know the the artificial side and and just makes you overall really really good and i've had a a a couple opportunities to fish with matt he's really good man really really good matt matt's like an animal honestly uh he you know i i know matt like like pretty much one of my closest friends i'm over at his house every single week we train pretty much every day and uh you know he was thrown into that life by his dad his dad's a really good charter captain and you know his dad would would drop him off at the boat ramp with the boat and you know matt would go get bait for his dad and you know pretty much every every day or every couple days and you know when it came down down time for the charter matt brings the boat back to the ramp, fill the blacked out the, the well with bait and gives the boat to his dad. His dad handed him a $20 bill. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, I've never had that. Um, like, like my dad loves to fish. Um, I'd say he's more, he's more passionate about boating and just being on the water. Um, but I've never had like, like, uh, like, like Matt's, upbringing and fishing yeah, but i mean i've learned a ton just by fishing with matt like i'll help him out during mackerel season or kingfish season and um you know fill the boat up with fish with him and it's it's really cool just to to, to learn um but i don't think he's commercial fishing anymore i think he's um just doing his summer camps and, and taking mm-hmm. trips here and there his and, summer camps really cool what he does with that oh yeah it's it's really awesome yeah yeah, well, Ryan, man, it's been great talking to you. I really, I really enjoy talking to you, and I've, I've, I've really enjoyed watching you develop. And uh, I'll, I will continue to do that. And this won't be the last podcast. I'd love to have you on again. Oh, absolutely, Tom. Thank you so much, everybody. Uh, thank you for how, uh, listening. How, and how do they find you? Uh, you could look me up on YouTube. Ryan is fishing. Ryan I Z fishing. And same for go, goes for Instagram and TikTok, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, be looking out for those peacock bass videos. We we got, I think it's pretty gonna be like one long epic peacock bass video, nice. probably thirty to forty minutes. Nice, that's narration cool, uh, throughout the video, just to kind of about me growing up and and uh, what these fish mean to me. And Tom, man, we got to do some fishing this year. Let's do we it. We have to. I'm ready, man. We'll do it. Sounds awesome. All right, we'll brother. do the deck of cards too. All right, Ryan. Oh yeah. Thanks, man. All right, we'll man. I'm gonna go soon. hit some push-ups right now. Fifty. Okay. <laughs> okay.